Welcome to the Audit 15 Fund podcast. My goal with the podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table. Today, we're going to be talking about remote work and how that's affecting the internal audit profession. To talk about that, I have Hal Garin as my guest. Hal has spent much of his career tied to the internal audit profession. He's currently Managing Director of Audit Executive Advisory Services an active contributor to C-Risk Academy and the Audit Leader Forum, a frequent contributing writer to the Internal Audit 360 website, a feature industry expert in certified chief audit executive program. He has been recognized as a key global internal audit thought leader by Richard Chambers in both 2020 and 2022. Previously, Hal served as an executive leader to the IIA's global headquarters staff and has been the chief audit executive of Commercial Federal Bank and Pemco Mutual Insurance Company. Welcome, Hal. It's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, John. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. So I think I'll I'll try to address you know most of the pain points that companies are having with remote work. And the first pain point, I think it's the big disconnect of what companies expect and what employees expect. Right. You know, to, to give the an example, uh, there was a recent uh, Robert Half survey that came out that said that according to the survey, uh, about 70% of companies want employees to be working 100% in the office. And according to the employees, 60% of them think remote work is a very important work perk. So how can companies address that disconnect? They want people in the office, but people want to be at home. Yeah, great question. And and greetings to everyone uh, watching or listening. It's uh, fun to do this. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me, John, is that the term be reasonable. You know, I don't know that companies are sometimes being reasonable because they knew the way things were, you know, pre-pandemic, and that was their operating model. Um, and I don't know that there are many, I don't know that many employees are even, are being reasonable themselves. I like this. Now, granted, the dynamic has shifted. A lot of people talk about from employer-centric to employee-centricity in terms of who's kind of got more power in the, the relationship and all this stuff about the great resignation and all this, you know, and, and more power shifting to the employees. To me, it's a matter of being reasonable. From the company's perspective, what is your mission? What is your vision? What are your values? If you if they're if they're really the right ones, the mission, vision, values. What is your what are you there to do? What is your aspiration to become? And how do you what's the culture you want to have to go about doing what you need to? The answers are in that for employee for how you want your employees to be physically present, work remotely, hybrid, whatever the answer is. But the caution, I think, is also that even though the power dynamic may have shifted to employees, the people, employees need to be reasonable too. It isn't about, it's work, you know? It, it, you know, 
what you like, you know, well, hopefully you like your job, but you know, just right. because you like, I like being home. I like working remotely. Well, that might not be what the employer needs from you. And there's an economic exchange. So the answers are all not one way or the other. And, 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 and it just, it just needs time to work out. You know, the problem right now is that there's still so much in flux. We thought we were turning the corner and then the great psych, you know, maybe not the great, right. the great psych, right. yes. you know, guess what? Nope, nope, nope. You know, and, and, and I've read a bunch of stuff recently where employers are basically giving up the idea of return to the office dates entirely right now and just saying, look, we're just going to roll with it. Right. So be reasonable. Yeah, I think that's the right approach, especially because, you know, people are thinking, yeah, we're going to go back like June of last year. Things were kind of getting back to normal a little bit. And then then we had the new variant. And now we have, uh, you know, an, another new variant that's uh, uh, completely changing the plans whatever plans uh, companies had. So I, I, I think I do think there's a you know valid concern. Obviously, uh, if there's an employee that's like really productive and really passionate about the work, you know, you know, maybe working from home, it's it, it's a possibility. But I think uh, companies also have some level of concern with productivity and performance, maybe not from all of the employees, but you know, certain employees. Um, a good example of how not to address that concern, I would give the example of that company, Better Mortgage, that the CEO fired <laughs> several people over a Zoom call. So, yes, you know, that's the, the worst case scenario. Like, don't don't do this. But uh, how do you address that that concern of productivity and performance if, you know, you're not being able to see the employee, you know, in the office and you're not being able to uh, look at all that they're doing? Um, all the, you know, so how would you address that concern? Yeah, I mean, let's let's leave it at professional roles. You know, um, you know, I mean, if you are, you know, if you're if you're producing widgets, you're on a factory line, you have to get certain stuff done, you're held to certain standards, you know, then you're being watched by cameras on a, you know, a, a, a production floor, you know, or something like that. But when we're talking about professional roles, if the relationship between the employer and the employee doesn't begin with trust, here's what needs to get done. Here's what the end result needs to look like. This is when we'd like to have it completed. You know, let the let people get from point A to point B the way they need to, to get it done, what works for them. Um, you know, if, you know, you know, let's not micromanage, you know, if, it, you know, if we're micromanaging the situation, the situation, then we're not treating people like professionals. Yeah. You know, so if, 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 if a manager, a leader um, feels like I need to see people, I need to see what they're doing, then you don't trust them. Or you're just completely, you have your own set of insecurities you've got to deal with, um, you know, but, uh, you know, don't have clear objectives, have clear deadline dates, 
Make sure the you have you have the opportunity to discuss them. Make sure your employees have all the opportunities they need to ask clarifying questions. And then when everybody says got it, yeah, do your check-ins and stuff on a normal plan, but otherwise let people do their thing. Yeah, very, very good point on the on the professional side. Obviously, you know, for people who are very productivity based and there's the output that people can measure, then it's it's easier for the manager to view the output. Uh, and specifically thinking about the internal audit profession, which you know our our output sometimes is just maybe a work paper or a report. You know, it's not really like things that are like truly tangible. So, would your answer to the to this question of how do you address productivity and performance concerns change at all uh, on how you deal with an internal audit department, internal audit personnel? Yeah, other than really small internal audit functions, which may have people operating in a single incumbent type capacity, here's the audit work I need to do. It's really self-contained. I don't have to interact with people. You're generally interacting with a team of folks within your audit function. Um, and it might be you're either working with co-sourcers or you're working with peers on your own internal audit function or some combination. But people will know whether you're slacking. Right. Right. And they're either going to, the team is either going to address it or word is going to be getting back to you as the leader that, you know, we would have had this to you, but, you know, Hal's just not getting his stuff in on time. You right, know, right. Trying to work with him, but, you know, he's just not getting it done for us. You know, and so my thought is still, you know, don't micromanage. Let the team self-manage. But when there, and this is the, it works both ways. When there are concerns, especially in a remote environment, always, but especially in a remote environment where you're not walking past the row of cubes every multiple times during the day and seeing people working and you get a sense of their attitude, their mood, their demeanor. You don't have that when people are working remotely. You you do the Zoom meeting, everybody's on, and then they go and they say, you know, you know, you know, then they get up in their pajama pants when the Zoom calls <laughs> on, you know, right, right. address concerns early. So if the manager has concerns, you know, and even if it's not based in fact, it's not based in something, it's just an instinct, mm-hmm. have that one-on-one. You know, you may be a little uh, less direct because you don't have factual information, but trust your instincts if something's up with an employee and address your concerns early because a lot of times you were right and you let it fester and you let it go on too long, but it works both ways. If the employee has concerns about how they're being managed, don't let it fester. Raise it in the one-on-one. I feel like, John, you're micromanaging me a bit here. Um, You know, maybe it's just me, you know, but tell me, is there something going on? Is there something you're concerned with? You know, you know, address concerns early. Yeah, I think that's a a good point about 
it goes both ways for sure. <laughs> and, and I mean, I would go as far as saying you don't necessarily need to wait until the 101. If you have an issue, bring it up. You know, you don't need to wait to have a meeting, to have a formal meeting to bring issues up. So changing gears a little bit here and thinking about how remote work affects the internal audit profession. Uh, you know, obviously you're, you're in the financial services industry. Um, for certain industries, it may be easier to work remotely because right. you don't have that tangible product, product or uh, that you're looking or that you're, you know, it's part of your audit. But thinking about industries that aren't have that tangible uh, side of it, like, you know, inventory or maybe has like, you know, like different assets that you need to check. Uh, how, uh, what can internal audit do, you know, to continue to perform quality work around that area, even if it's remote and more importantly, credible work to the organization. Yeah, I've heard I've heard reference to some internal audit functions uh, using, you know, either considering or already using drones. Um, you know, if you, if I gotta if I gotta view the inventory and I can't be there, I'm gonna go send in a drone. Um, you know, <laughs> um, you know. Here, here, here's here's my view on internal audit and remote work. And some people will agree with me and some people may not, but, you know, it's just kind of sort of, you know, here's my view. I think that during the course of the um, pandemic and some of the, you know, back in, was it March, 2020, when it was more of a flick of a light switch, everybody go home. Uh, you know, and, and it was trial by fire and people were figuring out what to do and technology may or may not have been where it needed to be. Yeah, all that stuff's been figured out a long time ago, you know, and so how to be productive, how to be efficient in getting the work done has pretty much been figured out. My concern is more from the standpoint of effectiveness. You know, you know, the work, much of the work that internal audit does can be done without, you know, physically being present. It can be done remotely and through, um, you know, technological aids, um, you know, from Zoom meetings to Slack messages to, you know, um, whatever else you need, including, you know, receiving, um, you know, uh, data, doing data analytics remotely based on downloads and everything else. You can work, you can do everything electronically. That's the, what I would call the transactional nature of the job. Right. Where I get the most concerned is on relationships. Yeah. Very good point. Um, you know, and whereas if I were physically present, whether it's part of an audit or not, now certainly part of an audit, you get to know the people, you're physically present with the audit clients. You you're you bring in much more than you're even conscious of from your senses about what's really going on in the area by being physically present. Um, but even just maintaining and sustaining relationships outside of the audit projects themselves 
is much harder to do. I'm not saying it's impossible, but right. getting up out of your cube and walking the halls or having that chance encounter, you know, um, or the let's let's do lunch and all that stuff. It's not that it can't be replicated through text messages and a quick phone call and a Zoom meeting and let me get on your calendar and all that stuff. It's just not the same. It's not the same. Um, and my fear, my fear is that internal audit will gradually or slowly move to more and more at a site, at a mind. We can get the transactional nature of the work done. We can execute the audit plan. We can start a project. We can complete a project. We can execute. We can issue the report. We can track the findings. We can do our follow-up. We can do, 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 do. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the organization doesn't even think about us otherwise because we're there to do an audit and we're gone. Yeah. And so transactionally, we're probably fine. Relationships, I think internal audit is a relationship business, not a transactional business. So I do worry, very long-winded here. I do worry about the long-term future of internal audit in a highly remote world. Yeah, I yeah, I think you're you're spot on that out of sight, out of mind, that is truly a concern and speaking from a uh, personal experience, not necessarily in the internal audit profession, but I've worked remotely before uh, like a hundred percent. And I remember uh, I had to move to a different role that was, you know, I, I had to be more in the office and I definitely noticed like career progression. It's way easier when you're in the office <laughs> versus just being remote. So, and Back to your comment about relationship building, you I think there's the element of you know seeing someone in person versus just a phone call or teams meeting. I don't think there's anything that can replace that you know uh, in person experience. So yeah, good we point. internal audit profession generally is what I would consider a a net a net exporter of relationship building. We go to people, we reach out to people, we hope they reciprocate. You know, you've, you know you're there. When other people in the organization drop by your office, drop by your cube, come to talk to you about something that's going on in the organization that they wanna share or get your perspective on. We're not a net importer of those relationship things. <laughs> And I wish we were. <laughs> I wish we were. And in some cases, if you work the relationships well and you know the company well and the people know you well and they know you're trusted and you're a trusted advisor and all of those things, it does happen. But it won't happen sitting at home. You know, if I'm if I'm physically in the office and I want to go walk down the walk the halls and see, you know, you know. I need to get, I need to get away from my desk for a few minutes. Oh, John's there. He doesn't look too busy. Let me see if he's got a minute to chat. You know, <laughs> well, do you really think I'm going to send you a Slack note or a text not knowing that you're busy or not to say, "Hey, if you got a minute, I'd love to chat." <laughs> to like, would right. you go away and leave me alone? Yeah. You know, it's different. Um 
And so I worry about relationships and I worry about, um, and I don't want to go down a big path of culture audits and culture assessments, whether you do them or not. Um, and you do them, you know, as part of the, you know, culture, a big culture audit as part of the entire organization, or you do, you consider it in every audit project to some degree. Just being physically present, you're assessing the culture of the organization on a contemporaneous basis. If you're not physically present or not physically present much, that sensory input goes away. Right. To keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on from a, the culture of the organization. If you're not physically present to do that audit, I can get the audit done, but it sure makes a difference if you're sitting there hanging out with the same, the people in that area for an extended period of time. It's just it, different. Yeah. It makes such, such a difference. Uh, you know, from my internal audit experience, uh, I've done some audits outside of the U S and, you know, sometimes there was discussion, like, can we just do it from here, from the U S instead of having to travel, you know, maybe save, but there's just that, that there, there's truly a value in going somewhere in, you know, talking to the person in person. <laughs> so, and, it's interesting that you brought up uh, uh, this too, because just last week I had a conversation with someone about this. Like the conversation was, is it going to be remote work? Is it going to be hybrid? Is it going to be hundred percent in person? So I, I think like maybe going back to your very first point of companies have to be reasonable. Employees have to be reasonable. Maybe hybrid is the answer. I don't know. Cause yeah. you, you know, make employees happy, but at the same time, from a career progression perspective, specifically specifically for internal auditors, you, you need to come in the office at least a few days a week or at least every once in a while to, you know, see the people and talk to them in person because there's just such, uh, it's much more valuable than just over the phone or email or Teams or whatever, you know, companies use. So, yeah, a, a CAE in the Pacific Northwest had been telling me that during the course of the pandemic, even though they had all the employees throughout the entire organization working home, the CEO was adamant that two days a week, all execs, and that included the CAE, mm -hmm. all execs are gonna physically be in the office. And the logic was, we need to see each other. We're, we're, we're running this organization and we need to see each other. And you think about that from the message that's sending about the culture of that organization. Um, and, you know, and I'm sure some execs were sort of like, that's great. And others were like, I don't really want to do this. But that was the culture that was set there. That was the expectations of the CEO. And, and I can tell you that organization was probably better for it because they were able to run the organization probably a lot more effectively because if, if, that, if you picture that group of executives, then they were in the same, a same organization, all physically remote. Then when the meeting was called, the meeting was called and everybody showed up on the Zoom or the Teams call. And that was it for the most part. 
you know, and as silly as it sounds, the organiza- organizations a lot of times don't run by the meetings. They run by the meeting before the meetings where everybody's positioning everything right. to make sure right. that stuff gets done in the meeting yeah. and the meetings after the meeting that just go and say, <laughs> I can't believe Hal said that. What do you think? What do you think, John? Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. and those bookended stuff doesn't happen as much. Yeah. When everybody's remote, you show up for the meeting, you do your thing. You might say, I might send, you know, John, uh, uh, you know, a, a text afterwards saying, boy, how there was really off base and you may respond back, but you're thinking what I might have said in person, even though it's a text, I don't know that I want in writing somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And all that other stuff that really is the grease that makes an organization run starts to fall by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so true that Things get done, you know. You don't. You don't. And back to the point of you don't need a meeting to bring stuff up. Like a lot of stuff happens, not necessarily just in the meeting. Like you said, before the meeting, after the meeting, and if it's in person, it's gonna be way more fluid. Uh, you're gonna get a whole lot more uh, back and forth with the person that way. So, uh, one one thing I just want to uh, last question here. Yep. Uh, so, obviously, you know you. you you mentioned out of sight, out of mind as being uh, one of your fears of remote work for internal auditors. Do you see any other risks uh, that remote work has created for internal auditors aside from what we we just talked about? Sure. I mean, think about it from a hiring perspective. If you're, you know, if you have, if you have two organizations in the same city, in the same industry sector, <clears throat> and they're both in the market for hiring internal audit professionals. And one is limiting their hiring to the local market. And the other one's like, no, we fully embrace remote work. I don't really care where anybody else is. Um, who's gonna be able to bring in more talent to their organization? You know. Now, you, you have a whole range of management issues on a remote staff that's all over the country or all over the world, but people have dealt with that. They have, you know, large organizations have internal audit teams in other countries, full teams, right? you know, and you manage it, you manage it, you manage it fine. But there's going to be a whole group of CAEs who have never managed a remote workforce until it was forced upon them on the pandemic. And they've never considered up till now hiring remotely, you know, is HR positioned to support remote hiring? Do they agree that that's the right thing to do? How do you, and the organizations are doing it. How do I recruit? interview, hire, onboard, and engage an employee when I've done nothing other than see them from the neck up on a screen. (laughs) Right. You know, um, so the skills are going to be different, and it's going to require some people like me 
you know, who have had to rethink some old school thinking and say, where am I still stuck on what I think the right answer is? Relationships versus transactional and all that stuff we talked about. And where do I need to rethink to be pragmatic in the current environment? Would I love to have a staff of people that I can reach out and touch and they can drop by my office physically, you know, and we can go to lunch and we can do team building sessions and all that stuff as a group physically? Sure, because that's what I grew up on. Is that reality going forward? Probably not. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And yeah, the comment about, you know, the CAE who never had to manage a, a remote team, I think the the market, not only for that, but for several different areas is forcing people to adapt. <laughs> it's you adapt in change or like you mentioned, may not attract the best talent. So thank you so much, Hal, for My pleasure. Joining, joining the podcast. I do want to say last but not least, what is the best way for people connect with you for those who are interested in learning about more about uh, what you offer uh, in internal audit profession? Yeah. So let me just say real quick before answering that there is, I'm sure many people have seen it, but there is a really good um, report out recently that the IIA Internal Audit Foundation and Audit Board did together. It's free on the IIA's website. It's called the Remote Auditor Challenges, Opportunities, and New Ways of Working. Um, and, and, and it's a good piece good paper. So I would recommend on this subject, people checking that out if they haven't uh, looked at it before. Thank In terms you. of the best way to get a hold of me, uh, you know, where I'm focused on these days is some article writing, some executive coaching. I'm highly promoting uh, the certified uh, chief audit executive uh, exam. Uh, now that the IA has sunset the QIAL and it's a place for um, you know, uh, people who have pa gotten past the CIA and want to do have a certification in internal audit leadership. Anybody's got any questions about any of that, anything we've talked about today, the best thing to do is shoot me a note in LinkedIn, easy to find, you know, Hal Garen, G-A-R-Y-N. If we're not connected, send me a connection request and I'll be happy to connect and we can communicate that way and go from there. All right. Thank you so much, Hal. Appreciate it. My pleasure, John. Thank you so much.